from the University of Texas at Austin, KUT Radio. This is In Black America. First of all, you know, everybody says that, you know, there are too many car makers. <laughs> they say there are too many car makers out there. And where I see it heading is that basically, uh, I think they're right. You know, we're going to see some more downsizing uh, because GM had to downsize. Ford downsized, uh, you know, in terms of, because, you know, at one point in time, Ford owned Aston Martin, they owned Volvo, and a couple of others. Uh, they owned Mazda, and they had to let go of all of that. Uh, GM uh, closed down four brands, maybe four brands, because they closed down Saturn, you know, Saturn, Pontiac, something, something else, I, you know, then I forget. I think they're closing down, they've got a brand in Australia that they're closing down, I think. So, so I think you're going to see a lot more consolidation. Uh, they're getting bigger. They're getting faster because, you know, from, from beginning to end, it used to take uh, close to four years to come up with a new car. Frank S. Washington, managing partner and editor of AboutThatCar.com. AboutThatCar.com is all things automotive. The website features columns on diversity in the automotive industry, safety issues, regulation affairs, people profiles, and feature stories and reports on all related automotive matters. Today's automobile industry is not your grandfather's auto industry. Things have changed a lot over the years. The big three, Ford, Chrysler, and General Motors, no longer dominate the industry. With mobile devices a part of the global population, the industry has effectively succeeded their dashboards to Google and Apple. Hybrid cars are becoming more popular and self-driving cars are on the horizon. I'm John L. Henson, Jr., and welcome to another edition of In Black America. On this week's program, The Future in the Automobile Industry with Frank S. Washington, managing partner and editor of AboutThatCar.com, Part 2, In Black America. Today's cars, you know, a fully equipped car has more computer power than probably mainframes mm-hmm. of yesterday. And a lot of the stuff, you know, they've got lane, uh, lane departure, uh, you know, uh, 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 warnings. But the car will try and steer itself back into the lane. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got adaptive cruise control where it's going to follow the car in front of it, so on and so forth, all these kinds of things. So just from a technology standpoint, uh, today's cars are very close to being able to drive themselves because you've got adaptive cruise control. That means the car will... You know, I remember once I drove from here to Chicago. I mean, from here, oh yeah, Chicago. That's about 270, 75 mm-hmm. mile power uh, drive. And I, uh, once I set the adaptive cruise control, I, my foot never hit the brake or the accelerator. I drove all mm-hmm. the way until mm-hmm. I got to the city and had to brake. Mm-hmm. You know, so so what I'm what I'm saying is is that autonomous cars are not that far away from a technological standpoint. They're really not. According to auto industry experts, by 2020, growing digitalization and advancement in technology will have increased the automotive industry investment to $82 billion. The industry has learned that they must meet consumer demands for a digitally enhanced experience when they are researching, purchasing, and operating a vehicle. Frank S. Washington has been following the automotive industry for more than three decades. He has spent a great deal of time covering the industry for African Americans on wheel, Auto Executive, Automotive News, Automotive News Marketer, Savoy, Wars Auto World, Wars Automotive Report, Wars Dealer Business, the Detroit News Online, and the Detroit News. 
when Washington began covering the auto industry, there were only three big companies. That has changed. They are now auto groups. On a recent visit to the Motor City in Black America spoke with Washington. On today's program, we conclude our conversation. The crossover is basically a sport utility, but it's unibody construction. A true sport utility is body on frame, where they build the body, they build the chassis separately, and then they drop the body down on chassis. But I, as a matter of fact, I was talking to who? I was on a program for Lexus the other day, and uh, 68, yeah, I think it was 68.9% of its sales are crossovers. Uh, the last number I saw, something like 60, 62, yeah, let's say low 60s in terms of percentages, generally speaking, a crossover. Crossovers have become become the station wagons of the 1950s. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that, that's a huge change because now you've got automakers scrambling uh, to, to, to produce crossovers to meet, this, uh, to meet the market demand. Because if, you, if, you, uh, if, if your lineup, and I'm talking about if you're manufacturing, your lineup's dominated uh, by sedans, you're in a lot of trouble. trouble. You know, simply because people are just not buying them. Not, not the way they used to. The last time we spoke, you said that women were the major decision-making person in the household when one goes to purchase a vehicle. Is that still holds true? Still true. <laughs> still true. Because to a great degree, women, women uh, are the driving force behind crossovers. Okay. Uh, uh, because, you know, it's an interesting thing. Talk to most women. They will not call a sport utility vehicle a sport utility. They will not call a crossover a crossover. Mm-hmm. To women, you know, in terms of, of, of uh, uh, linguistically, if you will, if that even applies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, a crossover is a truck. That's what they call them. That's what they call them. They, 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 when they say, I'm going to get my truck, they're talking about sport utility. And women still drive... 80% mm-hmm. of, of the baskets. First of all, they back 50% of the products, maybe a little bit more than 50%. But for the sake of this, we'll say 50%. Then they uh, influence another 25 to 30%. Now you're up to 80%. Because, you know, if you're a guy and you're married and you want to buy, let's just say, well, anything, and, and your wife says no, that's not coming in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, okay. So, yeah, then you talk about 75, 80% of the market that they're basically uh, making the decision uh, or influencing the decision on, on, on what is going, what a given household is, uh, is going to drive or, you know, be the primary vehicle. Uh, and, and let's say I think that uh, it's that notion or, or that fact that uh, is kind of driving the switch to, uh, you know, crossovers and, and sport utilities. Because, see, there's one thing. Women, uh, it's been, you know, there are studies that show women like to sit higher. Mm-hmm. Because by from sitting higher, you get the feeling of uh, safety. Because okay. you're a little bit higher on the road. You can see a little bit better. Uh, most of the time, crossovers, although it's beginning to change, most of the time, sport utilities are a little bit bigger. That also conveys safety. And when it comes to, you know, uh, and I hate to sound sexist, uh, and I don't think it is sexist, but women care a little bit more about safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you can make, you know, if you can make women feel safe uh, in terms of when they're driving, uh, that that goes a long way in terms of uh, in terms of their uh, purchase decisions. You know, uh, and, and uh, not that all of them have it, but, you know, when you're talking about crossovers, you're talking about all-wheel drive, 
Mm-hmm. Although most vehicles with all-wheel drive are not, mm-hmm. uh, because the funny thing, most vehicles with all-wheel drive are really front-wheel drive okay. until the tires get stuck. Mm-hmm. You know, those front tires start spinning, then some of that torque goes to the back, mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, so all-wheel drive is better. You know, in, in a sense of real inclement weather, uh, 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 the next best thing is front-wheel drive, mm-hmm. and not all uh, not rear-wheel drive. It's front-wheel drive. Uh, it's that the next best thing because you've got the weight of the engine pressing down on the tires, which mm-hmm. gives you a little bit more traction. You get a chance to test drive these vehicles uh, year in and <coughs> year out over the course of your career. Currently, what vehicles have impressed you the most? Well, you know, now you're asking me to give you a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't give me a commercial. <laughs> But you know, I'll answer your question. Uh, uh, you know, in terms of what has impressed me, the, what's impressing me the most right now, mm-hmm. let's just say the last two years, mm-hmm. would be Volvo's. And uh, yeah, their style a certain way, so on and so forth. Uh, but Volvo is a small, comparatively. Mm-hmm. Volvo is now owned by a Chinese company called Geely. But still, in and of itself, Volvo is a small company. Uh, what they've done is they've switched to four-cylinder engines. Uh, they're either turbocharged or supercharged. They uh, or they're putting what they call putting uh, electricity to them mm-hmm. in terms of uh, hybrids, plug-in hybrids, uh, and this sort of thing. So what that does is, is basically it cuts down cost because they're not dealing with a lot of engines. Uh, they've got one engine block, that mm-hmm. four-cylinder, and uh, uh, they're, they're getting performance out of it. Uh, I was in a Volvo last week. That there was a plug-in hybrid. It was 415 horsepower. Yeah, uh, that's uh, that's that's very good. Volvo says twenty twenty, uh, they're going to electrify their entire product line, and what they're doing is they're putting themselves in a position to uh, to take advantage of the fact that one day, oil is going to run out. Okay, mm-hmm. so they're trying to get ahead of the curve. Yeah, they're trying to get ahead of the curve, and I think right now they're doing the best job of getting ahead of the curve because I mean, I mean, engine development is a tremendous cost. Mm-hmm. In terms of engine development, well, now they got one block. You know, mm-hmm. they uh, opened a plant here in South Carolina, so now they've got a manufacturing footprint uh, of here. They opened a plant in China, and they've got a plant, of course, in Sweden, their home market. Mm-hmm. So that gives them a manu- uh, kind of a, a global manufacturing uh, uh, block, and they've got a good. They always had a good reputation. There was a there was a stint there where uh, they didn't have a lot of product because you know there was an ownership question and this kind of thing. So eight, nine years maybe, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't have a lot of product, but, uh, but they caught a break. Nobody was uh, downing them or ragging them or really overly criticizing them because they always had a good reputation in the market. We're talking earlier before we started recording this interview about ownership of vehicles. This generation, you say, are not really into old school owned vehicles. Uh, no. Uh, you know, uh, as, as we were talking, I was saying, you know, in my generation, Maybe in the generation just after me, a rite of passage was a driver's license. Today, the rite of passage is a smartphone. Okay, right. <laughs> That's what it is. You know, so one of the things that manufacturers are coming up with, you know, because at first, there was the whole thing about connectivity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's where Bluetooth came from, you know, in terms of in cars, mm-hmm. uh, looking for ways to connect with younger buyers. You know, uh, a lot of times I, I remember, uh, who was he? he was a designer for Cadillac, or no, he was general manager of Cadillac, but this was years ago. Uh, one, you know, told me uh, one time, he says, well, you know, when uh, he says, uh, uh, at, at this point, he says, quality 
is 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 a given. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so so you know, in terms of the luxury market, you're not going to uh, get buyers because of the quality of your cars. Everybody's got a good quality. Right. He says, uh, but who's going to be successful is the is the manufacturer who takes the best care of the customer in the first hundred thousand miles. That was his take, uh, and I and I don't think he was wrong. And I think uh, for a minute. Uh, manufacturers thought that the most successful manufacturer, I'm just talking about electric cars, I'm talking about them all, was the manufacturer who provided the best connectivity for the buyer. Because uh, uh, young buyers, millennials, and, and I forget, is it Generation X? I, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Basically, they want to be connected all the time. Gotcha. You know? mm-hmm. So it's about who provides the best uh, connectivity. And that includes... Uh, Bluetooth, in terms of being able to to uh, use the phone, and, you know, hands free, mm-hmm. uh, the USB uh, thing. Now you got streaming. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's streaming for a hot minute. There, there was, uh, there was. Uh, what am I thinking? Uh, you could stream movies. You mm-hmm. can still stream movies, mm-hmm. uh, but they just they they just don't publicize it as much because it's kind of like we're gonna you know we're gonna advertise driving our car. And looking at the movie, <laughs> so so that will go together, you know. But and so now I think since people really don't care about, uh, I won't say don't care, but they're not as uh, you know, it's not as as much of a goal to own your car. They said, well, okay, we'll lease it to you, okay. But they had been leasing cars, but now they've got something new. Uh, we're just beginning to see the uh, uh, the cutting edge or the tip, as uh, 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 is, is they're calling it, subscri- subscriptions. Mm-hmm. And they call it a subscription. You pay one flat fee, which to me is, is kind of, a, I won't say astronomical, but seems kind of high. But, you know, I'm cheap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. but, uh, but still, and, and uh, it takes care of everything. You pay one flat fee, it takes care of the car note. Or mm-hmm. you know the monthly fee for the car mm-hmm. takes care of the insurance. Okay, mm-hmm. takes care of the insurance. Takes care of the maintenance costs. Mm-hmm. Implicit in that is you're bringing it back to you know wherever you, you know in terms of the dealership to get get uh, to get maintenance. So the thing about it is the only thing in theory that you have to pay for is gasoline, mm-hmm. and they call it mm-hmm. a subscription. Depending on who it is, uh, again I hate to use Volvo, but you know it's, that's the one that comes to mind. Volvo has a plan, I think they call it Care by Volvo, you pay $1,100 a month, and it takes care of all that, and it's for a two-year deal. Uh, at the end of 12 months, <clears throat> you can trade up to any other Volvo you want, and, and that, you know, but it's, they call it a subscription, uh, and, I, and I think, and I'm not talking about Volvo per se, I'm talking about all of them, but basically it's a lease, because you do not own the car, right. you know, at the end of that two years, uh, is there any mileage uh, stipulations? Yeah. Volvo, Volvo's is fifteen thousand miles per year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, you know, just on a program because I went on both programs uh, in, in the same week. Uh, the Lexus UX, they're not calling theirs a subscription. They're they're just forgetting. You know, it's kind of like you see this pool, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you kind of dip, dab your toe in, to see how cold the water is. And so I think that's what Lexus is doing. I forget what they call their program, but it's uh, it's some sort of lease. Mm-hmm. But it's the same thing. It's two years. Uh, the subscription, and I'm I'm calling it a subscription. 
uh, takes care of everything, mm -hmm. and uh, include and see that everything to me, uh, 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 insurance is a big ticket item right. here, because you know we've got the highest. Michigan has the highest uh, insurance uh, in the country, insurance mm -hmm. rates in the country. Detroit has the highest insurance rates in the state, so that means Detroit has the highest insurance rates everywhere, mm -hmm. at least in this country. So, you know, when you're talking about a, a flat fee that's going to take care of insurance, like, wait a minute, mm -hmm. you know, that, that's something that, to be considered. That's something to be considered. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, uh, just here, I, uh, I have heard of people paying three, four, five hundred dollars a month just for insurance. Is this full coverage or li just liability? I think it may be full coverage, okay. but I've never really asked for kind of uh, coverage. Uh, you know, but you know, uh, that's not unusual. You know, that mm -hmm. people pay. Mm -hmm. uh, let's just say from three to five hundred dollars a month mm -hmm. for for coverage. For just one vehicle. For, yeah, this <laughs> okay. is one vehicle. <laughs> okay. This mm -hmm. this is one vehicle. Cause I remember uh, my daughter who has left to mm -hmm. go. Where she go? She went to Atlanta. And, you know, uh, at one point in time, she, she was moving to Atlanta. She, her family, and all of that, they were moving to Atlanta. And she, they gave, she gave me the numbers, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of what she would be making there and this, that, and the other. And I knew what she was making here. And I said, well, gee, that doesn't sound like that much of a savings to me. You know, mm -hmm. where's, you know. And she said, hey, she says, uh, and I forget the exact number, but, you know, they've got children, excuse me. Mm -hmm. They've got children, so they were paying, they needed full coverage. Right, right. Okay, because yeah. they've got children. She was saying here after extensive, <laughs> after an extensive search, mm -hmm. she was paying like three hundred and fifty, three hundred eighty something dollars, mm -hmm. you know, close to four hundred dollars, to get full coverage on, on on a minivan. This wasn't like a Corvette, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. on a minivan. And she was saying when they go down, uh, when they went down to Atlanta to do the same thing. Uh, with the same vehicle to get full coverage, it was something like maybe one hundred eighty dollars. When one visit aboutthatcar.com, dot com, what would they find? Basically, what you're going to find, most obvious thing you're going to see is car reviews. Okay. You know, I use uh, of course the reviews I I have done in terms of uh, in terms of the programs I've gone on and and, and the press cars I I guess because when I'm in town I get press cars to test drive and and review. But the other thing is I also use reviews from other writers, uh, you know, in terms of uh, what my car, my car data, uh, Motor News Media are the two most prominent ones. But the other thing is if you, if you look at the command bar right above those, then you can find information on used cars, new cars, car insurance, uh, you, uh, there are links to other video stations. It's, it's basically a uh, not-so-boring car buying site. Yeah, you know, and and that's what you can do. You you can uh, you can dial into it uh, or click into it and uh, get all sorts of information on just about you know any car you want. You know because you can go to they've got uh, uh, I've got uh, yeah there's a uh, a channel to uh, Edmunds.com and you can go and find information on just about any car that you want. Uh, insurance rates, you know based on where where you live. Then I've got uh, I think PR Newswire is on there, so if you're just a car buff mm -hmm. and, and just want to know about the industry, there's a feed on there for, for that. You know, just about anything you want to do vis-a-vis -vis, uh, a, a car, whether it be just general information, whether it be reading about, you know, the newest things on the road, the latest trends, or the latest business news, mm -hmm. you can go on the site and get
having done this for a while, where do you see the industry heading? First of all, you know, everybody says that, you know, there are too many car makers. <laughs> they say there are too many car makers out there. And where I see it heading is that basically, uh, I think they're right. You know, we're going to see some more downsizing uh, because GM had to downsize. Ford downsized, uh, you know, in terms of, because, you know, at one point in time, Ford owned Aston Martin, they owned Volvo, and a couple of others. Uh, they owned Mazda. <clears throat> and they had to let go of all of that. Uh, GM uh, closed down four brands, maybe four brands, because they closed down Saturn. It was Saturn, Pontiac, something something else, you know, and I forget. I think they're closing down. They've got a brand in Australia that they're closing down, I think. So, so I think you're going to see a lot more consolidation. Uh, they're getting bigger. They're getting faster because, you know, from, from beginning to end, it used to take uh, close to four years. To come up with a new car, I think they've cut that down to maybe three, and they're getting it down a little bit more. You're seeing a little bit more commonization of parts, like Volvo yeah, and this four-cylinder engine is going through their entire lineup. Uh, GM, a lot of the engines uh, they're using because there used to be uh, a time back in the day that a Buick engine wouldn't, uh, or, or, or yeah, a Buick engine or a Buick transmission wouldn't fit into a Chevrolet. All of that was different. Uh, you you found uh, a lot more commonality in terms of reducing costs. You know, I think at one time, I, I forget who it was, but I was reading something. Uh, one manufacturer said we looked up and we were, you know, they, sometimes they, they have so much variety that they have to go back and look. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so what do we got? What do we got? And I remember one, uh, one manufacturer, and I don't know whether it was Chevrolet, but it was somebody who said they looked up and they had 18 different steering wheels. Mm. You know, that sort of thing. So, so I think you're going to see more of that. And then there's always autonomous driving. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of people don't see that coming. But, you know, it's kind of one of those things like seat warmers. Mm -hmm. Nobody really ever asks for seat warmers. Mm -hmm. right. Not every car yeah. has them. Mm -hmm. You know, because I, you know, I grew up in Chicago. And I used to say, yeah, I had a seat warmer. It was mm -hmm. my coat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. but, but, but the auto industry, is, they're pushing ahead uh, very strong with autonomous driving. You know, and I think there's a generation of a uh, driver out there who doesn't want to relinquish control of the car. Mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, you're not going to get them. But there's another generation of driver who really doesn't care about the car, who really rather have their nose stuck in their cell phone, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, they might be, uh, and, and, and they, you know, a, a generation who, who, who makes transactions on the Internet and this sort of thing. But, you know, they, uh, so they see that coming, and they're pushing hard to be, to be ready for it. Because when you look at the car, today's cars, you know, a fully equipped car has more computer power mm -hmm. than probably mainframes mm -hmm. of yesterday. And a lot of the stuff, you know, they've got lane, uh, lane departure. Uh, you know, uh, 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 warnings, but the car will try and steer itself back into the lane. Mm -hmm. They've got adaptive cruise control where it's going to follow the car in front of it, so on and so forth, all these kinds of things. So just from a technology standpoint, uh, today's cars are very close to being able to drive themselves because you've got adaptive cruise control. That means the car will... You know, I remember once I drove from here to Chicago. I mean, from here... Oh, yeah, Chicago. That's about 270, 75 mm -hmm. mile per hour uh, drive. And I, uh, once I set the adaptive cruise control, 
I, my foot never hit the brake or the accelerator. I drove all yeah. the way until yeah. I got to the city and had to brake. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, so so what I'm what I'm saying is is that autonomous cars are not that far away from a technological standpoint. They're really not. You know, uh, depending you know now whether you're gonna have an infrastructure uh, to to support them in terms of uh, uh, what am I thinking about? Uh, rails in the road, you know, in terms of electronics, where they can follow it and this or that, because they, they're coming up with stuff now where cars uh, can talk to each other. Mm. You know, they, they can't do it yet, but they, they're developing the uh, hardware for them to be able to do that. And I think that all this stuff that we think of as being far off down the road, well, <laughs> far off down the road is here. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's around the corner. I mean, look, in you know, it, you know, we, we we get so caught up, I think sometimes, in just day to day life, we forget. In two years, it'll be twenty twenty. Right. In two years, you know, and see, they start talking about. Well, I mean, Volvo says, well, we're going to electrify everything by twenty. Yeah, they did. So I think about twenty twenty, we're going everything we sell is going to be electrified. That's two years. So, you know, that's, and what that means is, is either hybrid or plug-in hybrid, at least, you know. And then there's, uh, what else is there? There's autonomous driving, but there's electric vehicles, full, fully electric vehicles. Because all they've got to do, the only thing they have to do uh, before, they, before there's a rush to electric is extend the range. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing about electric vehicles. You know, it's like 125 miles now. Uh, yeah, about 120, but some of this stuff, uh, Tesla had a big deal with that, and some others. You know, now, you know, you uh, some of the cutting-edge technology says, uh, maybe 300 miles. Well, you start getting up to 300 miles, you know, because I read some material that said, you know, 300 miles may be the uh, the, the, the crossroad, oh, mm-hmm. the barrier. If you can break 300 miles and get a car with, say, 400 miles, you know, 400-mile range, now you're talking about electric cars, you know become doable, uh, popular. Well, that's in the same range as a full tank of gas. Yeah. Less. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. it is. You know, it's a, yeah. you know, it's the same range as a full tank of gas, you know, about 400 miles. And, you know, now you're talking about pennies on a gallon, you know. Now you're talking about pennies on a gallon because that's how much it, charge, it costs to to charge a battery. You know, and you, you got, uh, what is it, nickel metal hydride, which is kind of the, uh, the grandfather mm-hmm. of batteries. When it comes uh, to uh, electric cars, now you got uh, lithium ion, uh, which is, you know, uh, uh, in, in a phrase, they're lighter and plus they store more energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure what the next uh, level of battery is, whether it'll be lithium, whether it'll be something else, but that next generation battery, I think, will break that barrier, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of the 300 mile barrier. When you get that, now you're looking at the uh, the slow death. Mm-hmm. Or the slow demise of in, in, internal combustible <laughs> engines, engine. yeah. and see they're they're push they're you know they're pushing toward that. And if you have one belief, well, no matter your belief in terms of a, a global warming and all that, once you get rid of internal combustion engines, then you get rid of uh, I won't say pollution in, entirely, but polluted emissions from mm-hmm. cars. Frank S. Washington, managing partner and editor of AboutThatCar.com. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions as to future In Black America programs, email us at inblackamerica at kut.org. Also, let us know what radio station you heard is over. Remember to like us on Facebook and to follow us on Twitter. 
The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station or of the University of Texas at Austin. You can hear previous programs online at KUT.org. Until we have the opportunity again for technical producer David Alvarez, I'm John L. Hanson, Jr. Thank you for joining us today. Please join us again next week. CD copies of this program are available and may be purchased by writing In Black America CDs, KUT Radio, 300 West Dean Keaton Boulevard, Austin, Texas, 78712. That's In Black America CDs, KUT Radio, 300 West Dean Keaton Boulevard, Austin, Texas, 78712. This has been a production of KUT Radio. Outro, Frank S. Washington, Managing Partner, Editor of AboutThatCar.com. And you're going to take the, uh, we will conclude our conversation on next week's program out? Or you want me to just read, just read the whole thing? Just read the whole thing? Yeah, on part one, we will conclude our conversation on next week's program. It's an hour. You want me to just read the whole thing and be done with it? Yeah, I'll do that. It's, I changed it when I decided to do part two, so it's not on your, it's not on my script or your script. The part that said we would conclude our conversation next week's program. So I'll just read the whole outro. Outro. 
Park 2, that's 0319. Frank S. Washington, managing partner and editor of AboutThatCar.com. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions as to future In Black America programs, email us at inblackamerica at kut.org. Also, let us know what radio station you heard is over. Remember to like us on Facebook and to follow us on Twitter. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station or of the University of Texas at Austin. You can hear previous programs online at kut.org. Until we have the opportunity again for technical producer David Alvarez, I'm Johnny O'Hanson, Jr. Thank you for joining us today. Please join us again next week. Syndication promo for 0319 Part 2 with Frank Washington. I'm Johnny O'Hanson, Jr. Join us this week on In Black America. The future in the automobile industry with Frank S. Washington, Part 2, this week on In Black America. I'm Johnny O'Hanson, Jr. Join us Tuesday night at 9.30 on In Black America. The future in the automobile industry with Frank S. Washington, Managing Editor, Take 2. The future in the automobile industry with Frank S. Washington, Managing Partner and Editor of About That, for the third time. The future in the automobile industry with Frank S. Washington, managing partner and editor of AboutThatCar.com, Part 2, this week on In Black America. I'm Johnny O'Hanson, Jr. Join us Tuesday night at 9.30 on In Black America. The future in the automobile industry with Frank S. Washington, managing partner and editor of AboutThatCar.com, Part 2, Tuesday night at 9.30 here at KUT 90.5. I'm Johnny O'Hanson, Jr. Join us tonight at 9.30 on In Black America. The future in the automobile industry with Frank S. Washington, managing partner and editor of AboutThatCar.com, Part 2, tonight at 9.30 on KUT 90.5. You there? Are we done? I'm going